You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, Welcome to another edition of the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 Fan in Dallas, your radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan, and you can catch him on the Dallas Cowboys pre- and post-game show where he serves as the co-host. Brian, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Robert. Happy uh, playoff week, right? Getting closer, closer, and closer. Yes, indeed. Excited. Other than the Dallas game, which game are you the most excited for? Um, That's a good question. The Minnesota Giants game is kind of, a bore, I think the uh, I think San Francisco is going to run Seattle. Baltimore is not going to beat anybody without Lamar Jackson. So uh, I don't know. I guess uh, maybe the Buffalo game. Maybe I mean honestly, like I think Dallas Tampa is the the draw of the weekend. I, I don't think there's anything else really close. I can't get you interested in Jacksonville and the Chargers. Yeah, yeah young quarterback. Those two quarterbacks going at it. Yeah, that that's a that's a that's an intriguing one, especially with the way the Jacksonville's played the end of the week or at the end of the year. So, I mean, it makes sense. The four and five games are generally going to be the most competitive, attractive ones because uh, they're the ones most closely seated together. Um, but yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm not I'm not totally looking forward to uh, what Tuesday morning may look like if this football team loses. That's going to be a uh, a dreary day. Um, but you know, I, I, I like Dallas's chances in this one. I've watched a little bit of Tampa, uh, went back, watched a little bit of the first game against Dallas, uh, saw some of the Arizona game recently, and I'll keep watching Tampa over the next 24 hours, but I know you've gotten a, a good sense. Which games of, uh, Tampa have you, have you studied this week? I watched Cincinnati. I watched the Dallas game and I watched the 49ers game is what I did. I was trying to figure out a way Cincinnati was down 17 nothing first half of that game. And it looked like the Tampa was going to cruise. And then all of a sudden, Tampa started – they had a, a muffed uh, fake punt. They had an interception. They had a Brady fumble. They had a, a running back fumble. They – you know, they, it's amazing what happened to to Tampa in the second half of that football game. And so, and I was curious, the 49ers just, just ran them. I mean, if you look at, I was curious to see how 
San Francisco was going to run the ball and what they were able to do with McCaffrey and those kinds of things. And then with Debo, you're always looking for like, when you watch San Francisco, you're always looking for like creative ways to run the ball and mm-hmm. what effects. So, and then, like you said, I went back and watched uh, the Dallas game just to get an idea. Dallas went away from the run in that game, you know, with, with Zeke was averaging, you know, 5.2 a carry. Uh, I felt like they had some good momentum going there. They just went away from it. You know, Dak was then throwing the ball in some crowds. Then he threw the ball, the interception, the wind field. Defense got put in a lot of bad situations, made the Buccaneers have to kick field goals. You know, that's kind of what that game was all about. So, yeah, this will be uh, – Dallas has got to figure out a way, and you've heard me say this before, Bobby, you got to figure out how to run when you need to pass, and you got to figure out how to pass when you need to run. Mm-hmm. I think that it's – this one's going to be about Kellen Moore and against Todd Bowles and how he calls this game. And can you find a way to and I and I, I think this is a game for Mike McCarthy just because I, I this could go a couple ways. Tampa doesn't score a lot of points. Okay. Oh. If you're Mike McCarthy, do you play the game in a manner where Tom Brady's on the other sideline over there. And so you have to call the game in a different way where you mean you go for fourth down at certain points in time, you know, is there, you know, or is this a game where kicking field goals like Cincinnati did added up enough to where it got them the lead and ultimately got them the victory there. Do, do how do you play this game? I think because of Brady in the playoffs, I think I play this game a little unconventionally when I talk about how to manage the game. You know, that's that's kind of something I I was I was thinking like, okay, are you going to give him the ball at the end of a game in a tie game or a close game? No, but I think I would I I think I would be okay if McCarthy took some took some chances in this game in order to try and and get some scores and and kind of make this a, a thing where a game or the type of game where, uh, you know, one score at the end doesn't beat you. I'll tell you, going back and watching the first game of the season, I was reminded, and I had forgotten about it. I mean, there are a couple different things that are different about this team, but I, I forgot just how rough of a first game that was for Terrence Steele. Yeah, and, and how oh, the, the motion penalties? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was bad. How much better it got as the the year wore on. But when you look back at that first game, we'll talk enough about Tampa. But what what stands out to you, or what did you forget? Um, I guess what just stands out to you specifically about the way the Cowboys looked in Week One versus what this team is now. Is there anything about them that you said? boy, that was something that's just radically different about them in week one that, that they really improved on, or or was there anything? Did it look basically like the same team and it just had an off day? I think perimeter run defense has actually gotten better. You know, and and, and I think in week one, you had Dorrance Armstrong making a start, you know, no Randy Gregory and all. I think the Buccaneers took advantage of some stuff going on on that edge, whether it's Dorrance Armstrong, whether it was the linebacker play, whether it was running the ball at Dick's. I still think there's issue running the ball at digs for the Cowboys, but I yeah. kind of trust. I kind of trust what Dorrance Armstrong is doing. No Hankins in that first game. If you can control the middle, and that will allow, if that can allow 
And, I, and I'll tell you what, Oso Digizwa played, I thought, played pretty well in that game. And he's played well the last – I mean, he played well against the Commanders yep. as well. So I get Osa, Hankins, Vanderesh, and I get Wilson. And that game, how I don't remember how late Curse got hurt, but I remember Wilson going into that game and stuff like that, them having to deal with that. So to me, I think you're better defensively now than you were in that first game when, and I mean defensively as far as dealing with what they're going to do with White or Fournette running this football. How how improved does Tyler Smith look from week one to now? I think it's I think it's he's pretty much, I think he's the same guy. I there's times where Tyler Smith looks like he totally gets it and he's on point. And then there's those other times where he gets buckled. And I'll say this when you grade offensive linemen, you know it is, Bobby. Grade all 65 plays. Don't grade the one or two or three plays that he might have there bad. Now, yep. the thing you don't want to have happen is the one or two, three plays. You don't want those to be the game-killing plays. You don't want that to be. Now, you didn't have Tyron Smith, but where, what Tyron Smith are you going to get this game? You know, is, yep. it, is this the game where all of a sudden everything kind of comes together for Tyron Smith and he looks good on the right side over there? You know, because he hasn't looked great and there hasn't been very good continuity with him and Martin running the ball to that side with also those those tight ends over there. So I'm there's so many things we you had so many questions in week 1 with the offensive line. You still have a lot of questions still. At least everybody with you know with Biotis practicing full on Thursday, uh that gives me the hope that everybody's going to get to go back to their normal spot when we get to Monday night. Yeah, I think that it, it should look, I, I mean, relatively normal. You've still got Tyron Smith there at the right side and and playing in that spot. What's your sense? Because this is the question I've been kicking around this week is, are you seeing a washed Tyron Smith? Or are you seeing a guy who's struggling with the right side? Is there any is there any chance that improves if they say, hey, let's let's do something wild. Let's move him back over to left. Let's figure out Tyler Smith on the right or do this. Or is it just you think... If he was over on the left side, the the struggles probably look the same. I I, I can't say that for certain. Uh, there have been some snaps where Tyron Smith has not looked as good sustaining blocks as he has in the past. I I think the pass the pass protection stuff is still solid. The run blocking stuff to me is where I think that the footwork, the angles, the hand placement. I think that's been a struggle for him and. The cutoff blocks, having to step hard, having to make sure I've got to get my head across this guy, working with Zach Martin. That hasn't been as clean as I thought it was going to be. So I, I, I'll i admit I have yet, I have yet to be right about what's happened at right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys because I kind of felt like that Tyron Smith would plug and play and they would be okay. And he's been just okay. He hasn't been Tyron Smith Hall of Fame player. And where we might be right now is there might be a couple of guys in this game on Monday night that are maybe to the end of their careers and they're going to have to play big games. And that's Tyron Smith, but it's also you're looking at uh, Xavier Rhodes. 
You know, yes. Xavier Rhodes is a guy that probably is going to be active in this football game and is probably going to have to play pretty big for you when he gets that opportunity. So, you know, we might be looking at a couple of guys. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jason Peters if he has to play. But I, I kind of feel like that with Tyron Smith, I am hoping, I'm hoping you could just, if this thing turns into a four-game run, then I'm hoping for the best there. But they're starting to, you're starting to see the, the little bit of the slippage there. Where do you think Tampa Bay is most vulnerable for Dallas to attack with the offense? Is this a game where uh, Dallas is, is going to have some trouble running the ball? I know that's been the, the discussion the last two times they've played them is how difficult running the ball will be. Vita Vea is supposed to be healthy and ready to go in this one. Yeah. Um, he, he's somebody, obviously, that can challenge things a great deal. Um, or, or is the way to attack Tampa Bay here is just through the air and, and trying to take advantage of things there. What's the, the recipe for success on offense? I think it's going to be about, to me, where they appear to be the most banged up right now is in the secondary with Carlton Davis, Logan Ryan, Mike, Evan, uh, Mike Edwards. Excuse me. They seem to be a little bit dealing with that. Keanu Neal's been a little bit nicked up. Uh, we'll see how Monday night plays for all these guys. But running the ball, I believe, is going to be more about perimeter. And I say perimeter is that if you can find a way to take advantage of the pin and pull stuff, you know, those linebackers can really run for the Buccaneers. So I don't know if I want to sit there and just to keep attacking the middle of the field. Edge run, edge run. The more success you could have edge run and make it quick to the edge and then around, the wider you're going to get Tampa to have to play. So if you have some success with some edge runs, then all of a sudden that defense is going to stretch. And when the defense stretches, that's when you take the opportunity to have to, to, to run the ball inside and pop some of those runs that you, you know, you're going to need during the game. But me personally, I kind of feel like that if Tampa's going to play off, if I see their if I see their corners playing back, I'm throwing the football. I'm throwing the football. I'm making make as quick as I can, get the ball out. You know, as quick a route those adjust those routes where they adjust uh, the what we call the option route stuff like that. That to me, I kind of feel like that's where Dallas could make some hay. But I think they're going to have to run the ball. I I, I think they're going to have to run the ball in a way where they get Dak Prescott running the ball. And so if all of a sudden we get through the the first quarter of the game and Dallas has say got 40 yards rushing or you know something like that man that's going to bode very well for them I think going long term in that football game do you notice anything on the few games I was watching especially the the ones later in the season do you notice anything on tape with Tampa struggling to finish tackles I I I watched a lot of other than Winfield other than Winfield they that's that's kind of they in the San Francisco game they didn't tackle well at all and that includes their linebackers you know and usually you know when you start to talk about you know with White and David and those guys they usually tackle pretty well but they they struggled in that game and they got blocked in that game you know down linemen got blocked linebackers got blocked when they had a chance to make tackles they missed some tackles i don't think that Carlton Davis particularly wants to tackle much in these games but yeah. But the one thing, and, and Keanu Neal, we we all know Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal, when he plays, he could be a little bit of a liability, you know, when it comes to that. Uh, I I think he's a you know a good dude and all that, 
but he could be a little bit of liability now tackling and getting over, much like we've seen with Anthony Barr. You know, same kind of thing, same type. But I, I think Winfield would be the best tackler that they have in the secondary. Yeah, and even the game I watched, I think Winfield missed two tackles uh, in, in, in the Cardinals game specifically. I saw Logan Ryan miss some, and you're right, yeah. the linebackers too. Uh, it look it just it looks like it's been a little bit of a struggle for them, but we'll we'll have some more uh, to talk about with the Buccaneers and and what they're doing uh, for for Monday when we come back with another one. I, I want to kind of take a, a dive off into the discussion about what's on the line for Dallas specifically and for guys on the Cowboys specifically as they head into the playoffs. You're listening to the Love the Star podcast, the Love the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I've I've been telling you guys about them for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. uh, We love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, It warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, We're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers. Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. Brian, let's talk about pressure which there there's a discussion right now i think i saw david moore write about it for the dallas morning news we've discussed it on the air uh it seems like this really comes down to three guys that have a lot of pressure on them uh coming into this game and that would be mike mccarthy kellen moore and dak prescott uh when you look at how this game could go if, if there's a poor showing here who do you think is taking the most heat on tuesday morning who is most potentially going to have to answer for this one Dak Prescott Kellen Moore or Mike McCarthy well I think it depends on how the defeat happens um are you in a situation where it's Mike McCarthy game management and I think this is really going to fall in the lap of Jerry Jones because I don't think necessarily that Stephen Jones 
Will McClay. I don't think they necessarily want to make a decision or a call on on that. Um, but is it a type of game where you lose the game because of of head coaching decisions uh, that didn't work out? Yeah, you know, we'll see if Jerry what he goes about that. But if Kellen Moore, if you have a bad game offensively, say something happens with the uh, you know the team like it did against the Commanders then I could very well see that maybe you want to move on. I I personally feel like that the next OC here, now if they change the head coach, I think Dan Quinn's probably your head coach. If they if that's the case, then Brian Schottenheimer's likely going to be your next OC. And But if something goes bad in this game where they just don't do anything offensively, um, it's to have, to have a scapegoat for this thing then I could see Kellen Moore being moved out and I could see, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe I know that Mike McCarthy probably wouldn't want to do it, but could you see Joe Philbin if the offensive line doesn't have any type of real success, you know, it's two years in a row. Now all of a sudden you run the ball, you find a way to run the ball, the offense come along and then you're falling apart at the end of the season. You know, I, yeah. I, I wonder, and Mike McCarthy's best friend on the staff is Joe Philbin, but he also, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, his dad, Marty, gave Mike his first job. So there might be some loyalty there if they want to move on from Kellen Moore to have to make one of those decisions where, okay, we're going to reevaluate, reevaluate where we are offensively and move on from Kellen Moore and then put Brian Schottenheimer in there. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't turn away from Joe Philbin, the offensive line coach, as well. You know, if they were to move on from Kellen Moore, it's funny you mentioned uh, Brian Schottenheimer and stuff there. You know who, uh, and, and I believe you do know the answer, you know who uh, Mike McCarthy once babysat sort of regularly, don't you? Yeah, Brian Schottenheimer. Well, not just Brian Schottenheimer, Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett, okay. Because he was yeah, he, in Pittsburgh. They were together in Pittsburgh. He was, yeah. he was with Paul Hackett. And so yeah. he would, uh, he, he said he used to take Nathaniel Hackett to like the carnival and stuff when he was a kid. And so, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe a Nathaniel Hackett reunion if things don't go well, well here. I think that Nathaniel Hackett is probably in a situation that they're talking about bringing him back to Green Bay. So I don't know. It might be, it might be one of those, but Schottenheimer, Hackett. Yeah. McCarthy. The Dan Quinn hire was unusual because it wasn't a hire that Mike McCarthy had any connection to. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's something. So I don't know. I I, I don't think they're gonna get Sean Payton here. I, I no. really, really don't. I, I think that I think that's one of those um I think that Stephen Jones, Will McClay, I think they have this personnel department where they want it. I don't particularly feel like that. They want to bring Sean Payton in here, who is very strong, personal man uh, when it comes to being outspoken. He learned that from Bill Parcells. Sean Payton has got skins on the wall. He doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody on personnel stuff. So I just don't feel it. And, and there's people that believe that maybe that Jerry Jones, uh, maybe has moved on, you know, still has a friendship with Sean, but not the type of friendship that he would be the head coach. When you look at the pressure that could be on Dak Prescott, the you know, the, I mentioned David Moore wrote an article about this. David Moore is not going to just 
write something flippantly. Like generally he's, he's, he's talked to people and, and his thing was, he said, there's not as much pressure on Mike McCarthy as there is on Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. And, and right. specifically said Dak Prescott's not going anywhere. Nope. He's, if he, lo- he could play the worst football game of his career. He's, he's still starting quarterback for you week one next year. Uh, what David Moore brought up though, was that said had said that if he falls short again, though, it's the questions start ratcheting up for him. Well, and, that's yeah. 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 I'm curious. I'm curious. Do you think that not just the questions publicly or do you think, think the question, what do we have here? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. That's the issue. I felt like that this was the year that you were going to evaluate Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy has done a fine job. You're 12 and five. You, you got to give him a lot of credit for that. They played without their starting quarterback for five weeks. Mike McCarthy has found a way the last two years to get the team in the playoffs, win a division. He's also figured out, you know, you need to have some playoff success, but here we go. You know, the thing with Dak Prescott, I kind of felt like, okay, let's evaluate McCarthy. Let's evaluate Kellen Moore. And then 2023 was going to be the evaluation of Dak Prescott. I kind of feel like that if you don't have uh, if you don't have playoff success and you determine that Dak Prescott's the reason why, and then all of a sudden you're in a mode where um, 2023 draft, a quarterback sitting there in the third round that maybe slid down the board, maybe this is the backup or the opportunity that you have to make that draft pick. And then that would maybe be the guy of the future. Or if you have lack success in 2023, then 2024, you're clearly picking a quarterback. So I think the evaluation for Dak will be in 2023, whether you go forward with him, you know, he's got, he, he signed a, a shorter contract. So, you know, you're dealing with less years on that contract and you're going to have to make a determination whether you want to go ahead and draft somebody for the future or extend Dak. And that's, I think, where 2023 is going to come into play. Let's say they lose a very close ball game, similar to week one, 2021. Let's say they lose a ball game in that exact same sort of fashion. Who on, who after this game are we talking about? That was their last game with the Cowboys whether it be on the coaching staff or on the football. Well, well, I've already talked about the coaches, but they got a pretty extensive list of guys. Could this be Tony Pollard? Could it be Zeke? Could it be Tyron Smith? You know, there's, there's, you know, there's several that you have to look at. I mean, uh, I, I think Tyron's done. I think Tyron Smith is done. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of where you're at. So yeah, I, I just feel like unless you want to keep, Tyron Smith around is the bridge to when you get Terrence Steele back. God, I never thought I'd say that, but <laughs> but here we are. Um, Look, boy, yeah. Terrence Steele in the last five weeks may have made himself some money by not playing. Yeah, absolutely. But you got you know Schultz. Yeah, there's 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 quite a few there's quite a few guys on this team that are they're looking at, and this is the thing that happens in the NFL and. You know, Cowboy fans know the feeling all too well. You're driving the car 185 miles an hour around the track, and then you slam that thing in the wall, and it comes to an abrupt stop. That's what the season's like. It's season, it's playoffs, it's speeding, and then it's the 
bam, it's over. And when it's over, now all those decisions that we talked about, that the, all the names, the coaching names, the the player names, it's probably going to look very different when we get ready for 2023 as opposed to the team that we see currently. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's there's a lot. How much of this, because you mentioned there are so many guys that they, they need to potentially replace, how many Leighton Vander Esch-type signings do you think we see where it's like, hey, we're just going to make a one-year deal here? Just because there are so many of them, and it would be such an aggressive overhaul to have to go out there and find so many different guys. Do you think we're going to see several guys come back on like, hey, let's stack up a one-year deal here and just get ourselves a bridge until we can, you know. Yeah, out. The, thing that, the thing that's interesting about Vander Esch is there are so many teams – I say so many, I should walk that back a bit. There are teams out there that had a failing grade on him medically coming out of Boise state. Yeah. And a lot of teams won't go back and walk that. And you might say, well, he's playing now, but here he is. What happened to him? Why did he miss these games? The stinger, you know, late Vanderesh played well enough to get, a contract extension, but how much of a contract extension, you know, and now are you going to let Leighton Vanderesh walk and see, okay, it's time for Clark. It's time for Cox. It's time to draft somebody else to be a part of this. You know, maybe you go get, you know, you got Parsons, but you know, you have to make a determination about Parsons. You still want him to play linebacker. You want to bulk him up and let him play defensive end, you know, but I think with Vanderesh, that's why you have Clark and Cox and guys like that. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if you know it was one of those things where he came back on a one-year deal, just because there's probably teams out there that don't think medically that he's a good risk to take. Makes a lot of sense. And like you say, he got hurt again with that. Um, and look, I think the Cowboys, given the way he played, I don't think the Cowboys would have an issue running it back for another year. I think he's been really good this year. Um, and I think you saw he and Anthony Brown both. Now, Brown is not great for most of the year, but I think you saw, like, you know, be careful what you wish for a little bit. Uh, yeah. See how quickly things fall apart there. But Well, the man, problem – yeah, the problem with Anthony Brown was that Kelvin Joseph wasn't good enough. Yeah. That's a problem. Because if Kelvin Joseph was good enough, then, you know, maybe things – you could survive this, you know? Maybe you could. But Kelvin Joseph wasn't good enough. Nashawn Wright, I, I keep asking, well, give him time, give him time. But, you know, now we're in the playoffs. And I'm thinking about playing Xavier Rhodes along with Bland. You know, see, if 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 Kelvin Joseph was as good as Bland, then you now you have Joseph, Bland. Now, now you're now you're doing some good with yeah. those young young corners. But I don't know how you trust Kelvin Joseph right now. I mean, I think they'll bring it back one more year, but I don't think his roster spot is by is 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 guaranteed by by any means. No, I mean he he could very easily stub a toe and miss the game this uh, Monday, or um, you know there there's some uh, personal reason maybe we see that he's not practicing. You just uh, I know I've said this already, but like Kelvin Joseph has hit David Irving territory for me. I just I I'm not going to count on him for anything. I'm not going to count on him to be there. And once he's there, I'm not going to count on him to play well. 
At least when David Irving was there, I could count on he was generally going to wreck games yeah. as long as he showed up. I can't even count on Kelvin Joseph to do that. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite part of the show. It is the listener mailbag. Before we get into that, though, one more time, I need to tell you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star, Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Those are important days. Tuesdays are half price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half price boneless wings. So whatever your fancy is on the wing front, Boomer Jacks has a deal for you. But if you're not a wing person at all, they still have great deals for you other days of the week. They've got $3 drink specials, $15 buckets of beer, wall-to-wall TVs, live music, whatever atmosphere you're looking for, Boomer Jacks has the environment for you. You're just looking for a place to have dinner with the family, a nice aesthetic, everything else. Boomer Jacks is a spot. If you're looking for a great happy hour location for you and the coworkers to have some drinks, Boomer Jacks is a spot. If you're just looking for a place to go watch the game, follow your fantasy team, you know, watch the game with a buddy, have a fun rivalry, whatever else, Boomer Jacks is the spot. And there are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, let's jump into our Dean Julia love of the star mailbag. There are a lot of questions here uh, from the listeners today. Uh, first one here from, uh, at, uh, Mario underscore powers underscore up in <laughs> off coverage. Uh, Brady likes to check to quick screen slants outs for a quick four to six yards yeah. and is very effective moving the ball. Do you see Dan Quinn altering his usual scheme of the quarterbacks playing seven to nine yards off the ball and using more press coverage to take away the quick throws? Yes, I absolutely do. I, you know, the first, one of the first plays of the game, and it might've been the first play of the game in week one was the ball that went to the outside to Godwin that went for like 15, 16 yards. You know, he just smoked it out to the left, and here you go up the field for a big gain. So yeah. if I'm Dallas, okay, I, you know, with, you know, Craig Walderstud is the referee this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the one of the things, they're really big on offensive holding, which means that the, maybe the Cowboys will catch a break. Now, We'll see at the crews and stuff like that. But the Cowboys maybe will catch a break this week with some offensive holdings with Donovan Smith being in there and stuff like that. He's had some problems. We'll see what's going on at center. But maybe you could get some holding calls and put them in some negative place. Okay. With that being said, though, very limited on roughing the passer. The defensive holdings and the PIs are kind of up there for Wolderstad and his crew. But the thing I would do if I'm the Cowboys – I'm chasing these guys the whole night by playing press. I'm just not, you know, I've got to make Brady hold the ball for at least 
a half a count. I got to make every throw a contested throw. If you get defensive holding, if you get PIs, you know, it's better than giving up big plays. Because when you play off, you give up big plays. Double moves, we've seen that. I guarantee you, you know, you're going to see guys that that he's going to try and take a shot on you. He took a shot and hit a play on Julio Jones down the sidelines against Anthony Brown. They're going to do the same thing. So I would be ready for that. But I play impressed in this game if I'm Dan Quinn. Fight these receivers. Make them have to make contested catches. You know, we've seen them. We've seen them struggle a little bit in some of those contested balls. You know, when 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 uh, when teams have done that. So I, I would much rather die that way than play it off and letting them make a big play after big play because Brady sees an opening. Next question here from at astute fanatic from the offensive line perspective. How do you counter last minute gap changes by the defensive line? Seems like that's been an issue with the running game. That's something Ezekiel Elliott has talked about recently that he thinks is giving them issues in the running game is that defensive lines are shifting at the last second and giving them some issues. I think the issues that they're having in the running game personally is the lack of continuity on the right side. I don't think the young tight ends, including and Schultz can be included as blocking as well as they did earlier in the year. I don't feel like they're getting guys up on the second level at the linebacker spot. You're having linebackers. They ran a draw the other the other day um, in the game, and I believe it was the I it was the, the commanders game where they ran. I was thinking it was it was at Tennessee or it was the commanders. They're kind of coming together. They ran a draw. They ran a, a lead draw that. Draw has been a pretty good play for the Cowboys, but the, the commanders blitzed the two inside linebackers to the A-gap and just blew up the play. So you didn't adjust very well on that. The problem is there's a lot of half-man blocking going on. And I mean half-man, like you're not taking your guy square. You're only blocking like half the guy. Then all of a sudden, what's the back's read? When the back sees you block square, they have a two-way go. They could cut to the right. They could cut to the left. When you block half man, they have to go to the side where you're blocking. So the other day on the third and five play, I think we talked about this. Schultz goes up there, blocks inside on the linebacker. Half the man, the other half, his right uh, left arm is free. So what does Pollard do? He knows it's third and five. He just puts his head down and tries to go as fast as he can, but you gave him no cut. You gave him no ability to adjust. You know, if you hit the guy square, you can make adjustments and then run. They're not, they're not, they're not really doing their half man blocking right now. And that's that's been an issue for but that to Zeke's point, if you get guys that are, you know, jumping in gaps and stuff like that, and you're not securing those guys, there's no cutback lanes. It's you kind of take what you get. Next question here from Ralph Todd. What is the optimal Cowboys rooting guide for Super Wild Card Weekend? Dallas W, but who else should we we be rooting for? I mean, you want a playoff, a home playoff game next round, you should be cheering for the Giants and the Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, if you get upsets there, then Seattle's got to go to Philly. You get to host the Giants. And then from there, you'd be rooting for, for Seattle. Obviously, if, if you're telling me I can, I can only get one upset, uh, get San Francisco out now. Yeah. Get, get Seattle a victory. I I feel pretty good about Dallas's chances to match up against anybody in the NFC except San Francisco. I'll I, tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. I'd feel, feel terrified playing the 49ers. 
the 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 number one seed and the NFC is a wounded animal right now. And yep. sometimes wounded animals respond and at other times they wander off and go die, you know? And I, I've said it before, uh, say it again. I don't think that Jalen Hurts is, is healthy at all. And I think they know that. And they're 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 praying. They're praying. This offense will look a lot different with Jalen Hurts not being able to run if that's the case, you know, and my, in two weeks, in two weeks might not be enough time for him. You know, the fact that he had to play in that game last week, I think that says a lot. I think that says a lot that they were, they had to do whatever they could to get the number one seat. If you're asking me, I, I, I wish that green Bay would have made it into the tournament Yeah, because, because I feel like green Bay could have gone and beaten San Francisco and I feel like Green Bay could have gone and given Philadelphia a run for their money too. Then if you find a way to win your, your games, then you're in a situation where you get a home game against the Packers and NFC championship, I'll take my chances in a one-off game against the Packers at home. I'll just take my chances, you know, but you know, we'll see if Seattle can play, you know, we, we'll see if Seattle can get their running game going, uh, but it's difficult. San Francisco, Brock Purdy's, you know, Brock Purdy's done a great job for them. So I, we'll see if playoff pressure gets to him. I, I kind of doubt it. I think I think San Francisco wins that game. Yeah, I, I mean, if you were asking me today, I think I'd pick San Francisco to come out of the NFC. To yeah. be honest, I, I just I now the it. upset the upset could be the Giants. The yeah, Giants, they could easily beat Minnesota. Giants Giants had Giants had Minnesota on the ropes and let them off. You know, which which, a, which would not be great because if you get Minnesota victory. Or if you get a Giants victory and then you get a San Francisco victory, you're going to San Francisco next weekend. Yeah, on short exactly. rest. Exactly. I don't well, know the yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, last question here from uh, uh, who is this? From De La Cruz, and this is one uh, right up your alley, Brian. Since you've been studying and uh, we've been frustrated with the receiving core, any wide receivers that you think are worthy of a first, or do you generally believe? Productive wide receivers can be found on day two and three. I know you can find productive receivers on day two and three. There's no doubt about that. It's happened several times. Cowboys have done it themselves. They found Cedric Wilson. They found Michael Gallup. It's not impossible. Um, but is there anybody that it's like, hey, that guy is worth it? I mean, one guy in particular for me, obviously, I know I've talked about it a little bit, and I still got to dive in and do more study on, on the entire receiver class. But I love Quentin Johnston at TCU. I, I think that guy's a monster. Yeah, the thing about Quentin Johnson and, and uh, Quentin Johnston, excuse me, the thing about him is he's likely to go very early in this draft. Before and, Dallas picks and all likely. Well, well before Dallas picks. I mean, if you if you want to just talk about the best receivers in the draft, and I've seen Quentin Johnston, I've seen Jordan Addison is it the, an interesting guy. Quentin Johnston, two, two different type of body types. You know, yeah. one, one a bigger guy, one a heavier guy with Johnston. Addison is a transfer from Pitt. I mean, he is a, he is a he's got some special traits to him. Produced well. both spots. Produced really well at yeah. both spots. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba is from the state of Texas. Here, uh, you know, could be a guy. But now you're starting to talk about maybe where Dallas is going to pick uh, when you look at wide receivers. I know people have him. If you talk about the best players in the it, regardless of position, he's somewhere between 25 and 26 on people's board. I know that uh, I, I know that Zach Wolchuk, who does work and is watching, that's Zach's number one receiver right there uh, with uh, Smith and Jigba. 
And so, you know, we'll see uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, uh, rail thin guy, but man, I'll tell you what, he goes downfield. He makes some big time plays. He, he can, can run. Adjust, he can run. He can adjust to the football. Uh, another guy that I've looked at too. Uh, we'll see with uh, with with uh, with Boutte, the, uh, the the LSU receiver. You know, Keishon Boutte. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, he. I don't. I wouldn't compare him. Uh, he's a good player, but I wouldn't compare him to what we've seen from the last couple of years with LSU receivers, with Chase Jefferson, those guys. I don't know if I would compare him to those types of guys as well. But, uh, you know, Josh Downs from North Carolina is a good player. I mean, there's now we're getting down into that range of from like 20 down to 50 uh, where you're where you're looking. Uh, uh, the kid from SMU, Rasheed Rice. Rice. Rasheed yeah. Rice is another one. I, I, I don't, have, I, I don't that's, think he runs that's, great. That's somebody I know the Cowboys are, are have done yeah. some research on already. There you go. Don't know if he run. Don't know if he's got the blazing speed, but he catches every ball you throw in his direction. Yep, absolutely. Well, that does it for us here on the Love the Star. We'll talk to you guys again ahead of the Tampa Bay game. Until then, we will see you guys later.